my name is Raja Ram Mohan Rai. I am named after the great social reformer. And the talk today is on the dating of Suri Siddhant. I did my B.Tech in metallurgical engineering from IIT Kanpur. I did my PhD from the Ohio State University, USA in material science and engineering. And uh, then I did my postdoctoral fellowship uh, at the University of Toronto. And I have over 25 years of research experience in materials processing and process flow ship development. I have deep interest in ancient Indian history and astronomy. So it has been claimed by Mr. Nilesh Oak and Ms. Rupa Bharti that Sur Siddhant contains information that can be dated to 12,000 BC. And they have presented it at Sangam talks as well as written on India facts, and these are the three main sources of information that uh, they have uh, provided for this uh, claim. So basically, uh, Oak and Party in their presentations and uh, in the article, they claim that there are three pieces of evidence that can be dated to 12,000 BC. And uh, I have quoted it here. Uh, they say that the two necessary conditions, so they claim that there are two pole stars, and that is satisfied in 12,000 BC. And uh, they also have the points of apoapsis and periapsis. And uh, they have related it to the information on seasons and also the Earth's obliquity uh, that is given as 24 degrees. So I'm going to go over uh, all these points one by one. So this is the claim. Uh, they say that the analysis of the two updates, so they're claiming 580 CE and 12,000 BC, uh, they have indicated that every instance of update did not result in exhausting updating of the entire text. So basically what uh, they are saying uh, that the Sushinant was last updated in 580 CE. I mean, that is the accepted date of Sushinant. So claiming that uh, 12,000 BC, I mean, that is far, far back. I mean, there is no evidence that there was any astronomy being done at that time. Or these uh, complex concepts that are in the Swiss Siddhant uh, were there in 12,000 BCE. So obviously it is against what is uh, accepted and uh, we need to go over these claims to see uh, their validity. So what uh, I claim is that all these observations were believed to be true in the last update or writing of Sushidhant during it, uh, which is in 580 CE. So we have information in Sushidhant that can be dated to 580 CE. Now to claim that that information, if there was information from 12,000 BC, to still be left intact when, it, when the revision update or writing was done in 580 CE, is against uh, uh, the whole principle of editing. Like if, if uh, uh, you are an editor, you are going to go over the whole text and you are going to update whatever has become invalid. So how is it possible for something from 12,000 BCE to still be left behind when it has been updated in 580 CE? So what I claim is that whatever is there was believed to be true and the keyword is believed because we are talking even 580 CE and that's what over 1400 years ago. The science was not advanced, that advanced. We, they did not have the knowledge that we have. So obviously they, they were mistaken. Even though it is true, it does not mean that it, everything that is there is true. It is, some of it is uh, very accurate. Some of them is not so accurate. So first we start with the Vedang Jyotis. The Vedang Jyotis is accepted as the first astronomical text of India. And its dating is uh, pretty much uh, uh, very, very clear, like when it can be dated. We have got uh, Vedang Jyotis, and it comes in two recensions. One is called Rik, another is called Yajus. And uh, both of them are quite similar. There are only a few verses that are different. And uh, this uh, Vedang Jyotis, if we go to the Rik, in the Rik, it is verse 6, in the same verse. And uh, in the Yajus, uh, we have it different. And uh, so basically, uh, this uh, verse is there that I have produced. Um, not going to read it, but you can go through the translation of it. And it is by Kupan Sastri, and it's a, a very famous translation uh, and uh, explanation of Vedang Jyotis 
uh, of Lagarde. Uh, and this one tells you, it gives you the exact position of that time. And it tells you that uh, the winter solstice was at the beginning of Sarvista segment. So that is a very crystal clear statement, which can you can use uh, for dating it. And uh, this uh, tells you the position. So this is the graph I have created. And you what you see here uh, is all the 27 nachatras. And uh, the current ones, they start from Aswini and you go this way. The, order in which the nachatras go will be Aswani, Bharni, Kritika, Rohini, Mriksira, Ardra, like that. Uh, and uh, the position that it shows here, and so if you are going this way, then the beginning of the Nishtha is here. Now this point, there's a, uh, the text says is the winter solstice. And opposite of that will be summer solstice, and then 90 degrees from that, you will get the positions of vernal equinox and autumnal equinox. And I have written here 1832 BC. Uh, that's what uh, my proposed date is. But uh, the dating that is accepted right now uh, will be like, uh, uh, 11, I think it's 1180 to 1400 BC. And I have given you. Uh, so, so what happens is that the dating itself, it depends upon the nachatra boundaries. Now, that boundaries itself are not so clear cut. We already know that uh, there are, People are use uh, Revti announce and then they use Chitra announce. So we have got uh, different. Uh, the boundaries uh, are at different points. There are at least two accepted ones. And my from my research, uh, I have uh, proposed that the actual boundaries were even different than this, uh, ten degrees from Revti. And depending upon these boundaries, then your dates will be different. And that they will be up to let's say 600, uh, 700 years different. So I have dated to 1850 BC. You can read it there, given the uh, on at my blog site. So whatever is the date between 1180 to 1850, let's say, it's all later than 2000 BC. And if you look at the Vedang Jyotis and if you read Surshidhant, you know that the Surshidhant is much more complex text. Vedang Jyotis is a very very basic text. It talks only about the motion of sun and moon and uh, but the Siddhanta has got details of the planets it, the Vedang Jyotis has only five year yugas compared to the much later developed system of the yugas that go to 4.32 million years and uh, the motion of the planets so so much so much complex that I mean there's no doubt if you read it uh, with open mind that Siddhanta has been written much later than Vedang Jyotis I'm, I'm saying here it cannot be older than 2000 BC. I mean, it, it cannot be older than even 300 BC. That if you really look into the development of the history uh, of science and astronomy. So basically we have an upper limit of uh, 2000 BC and that's giving like too much uh, uh, leverage, too much uh, uh, latitude to it. Uh, it. It's much, much later than that. So if it is, uh, then how is it possible that it will have information that can be dated to 12,000 BC. So these three pieces of evidence, uh, I'm going to examine one by one. So the first one uh, is a claim that uh, the Surshidhan says that Earth's obliquity is given as 24 degrees in Surshidhan, 12.68. Uh, and uh, this is the exact verse. Uh, since I have got lots of slides, so I'm not going to read through, I'll just go through the translations, so it will be there in the slides. And uh, if you look at it, uh, I've given a translation by Burgess, uh, Burgess, whatever it is. And this one uh, tells you that the, this is true, that uh, it is given in the verse that the obliquity is 24 degrees. And so what happens that uh, the Oak and Bharti then claim that this value of 24 degree was valid in either 2900 BC, or 12,000 BC. So they have got uh, two uh, different dates when they said that the Earth's obliquity was 24 degrees. So what I did is I decided to check their claim. So this is the equation uh, that you can use uh, that is uh, scientific to calculate the Earth's obliquity. And I fed the data there, 580, uh, that's what the last update, 2900 BC and uh, also 12,000 BC. So what we get uh, from this equation is that it was 23.62 degrees in 580 CE 
24.01 degree in 2900 BC and 24.05 degrees in 12,000 BC. So the question is, can we can conclude from this that the Swiss Siddhant was written in 2900 BC or 12,000 BC? And uh, the simple answer is no, because they are all so close. I mean, uh, 23.62 degrees can be easily rounded off to 24 degrees. But also, we don't know what is the accuracy of the measurements uh, by the writers of Swiss Siddhant or the astronomers who uh, wrote the Swiss Siddhant. Uh, we need to know their accuracy before we can claim, because these numbers are much, much ahead of what any scientist will tell you, that even the astronomy is that old or this kind of what was being done. So we, we have to discount both of these possibilities before we can claim 2900 BC or 12,000 BC. And uh, then in one of his presentations, uh, Mr. Oak says that uh, the authors of Suchidant, they had the ability to write 24.1 degree if instead of 24 degree. And uh, nowhere. So what happens uh, is that, you, yes, they could write 24.1 degrees. So what is being said that when Suchidant says 24 degrees, then you have to take it exactly 24 degrees. It is not 24.1 degree, it is not 23.67, whatever, it, it has to be taken exactly as 24 degrees because they could write it. But writing does not mean that they have the capability to measure it also. And uh, to make the claim, when you make a claim like that, you have to be much more thorough. You're, you cannot just uh, take one piece here, one piece there and make claims like that. You have to give lots of justifications to that. So you have to really show that there was experimental uh, accuracy of that kind of accuracy was there. What kind of instruments were being used to get that kind of accuracy? So now there is another one uh, place in which the obliquity uh, is given, and that's in Sushidhant 2.28. Uh, and in this one here, it is the given as, uh, let's say, I've given you a translation by Srivastava here, and it says Param Kranti Jaya is uh, 1397. So basically, simple trigonometry, they used a radius, and from that, uh, you can calculate what was the degree. And uh, so I have given a translation here, and this is the translation by uh, Burgess. And if you go to the trigonometry, uh, you get a value of 23.975182 degrees. I mean, if you uh, go the exact mathematical, uh, how much it comes. And uh, it has been given by uh, Dr. Anil Narayan. None. Uh, it's available at, at this uh, indiafacts.org site where you can go into the more detail. So the claim is that they are being so accurate, 23.97, let's say. And that proves that it is either 2900 BC or 1200 BC. But again, this claim is it's a mathematical precision. It is not an experimental accuracy. And to make that kind of claim, you need to have a proof of experimental uh, accuracy. And also you have to keep in mind uh, by the famous uh, uh, astronomer Carl Sagan, uh, that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. You have to really, to make that kind, kind of claim, you have to give extraordinary evidence, and which uh, it is not there. So, I mean, it, it could be simply explained as either rounding off or uh, inadequate uh, experimental accuracy. So now we go to the second evidence. And the second uh, evidence is. Uh, Aphelion and uh, Perihelion. And these uh, are, so basically when a body rotates uh, around another body, let's say the earth going around the sun, the path is not exactly circular. So it is elliptical. So you have, you have elongated in one side and you have shorter uh, on the other side. And uh, these points uh, for earth going around the sun, uh, these points will be called Perihelion and uh, Aphelion. The farthest point will be aphelion and the nearest will be perihelion. So what uh, is being told is that uh, they related to the information in Sushidhant uh, to the change uh, in these points due to precession. And uh, what happens is that due to the precession, these, uh, these axes, uh, the perihelion and aphelion, they point change. And I'll show you uh, in the graph. And uh, so the points, so the basic point uh, is that uh, Earth is near Sun sometimes, and sometimes it is further away. And when it is, if you go according to the seasons, then when it is farthest or, farthest or when it is nearest, those times will change uh, compared to the seasons. And that's the whole point. And uh, this graph uh, shows you like uh, 
uh, how uh, these are uh, these changes are taking place and uh, so so basically what uh, we have is in our times the sun is actually further uh, during the summer and but there was a time let's say for uh, around 12000 bce uh, when the sun was nearer during the summer and uh, this is what is given in sushidant so the sushidant has given you uh, in 12.46 that the sun is close uh, and this is their translation the sun is the closest to the earth during uh, grism that is summer which causes sun's rapidness when in dev bhag and uh, farthest from the earth during the uh, month or the win winter so so this is their translation and we should always uh, check with the other standard translations so uh, this is uh, by uh, uh, burgess uh, burgess is saying Uh, that owing to the exceeding nearness the rays of the sun are hot in the hemisphere and uh, in the winter uh, they are sluggish and this is the translation uh, by srivastava and srivastava uh, is saying uh, the translation according him that translation is the when the sun is dev bhag mein arthat uttar gol mein rehta hai tab nikat hone ke karan grishma ritu mein uski kirne badi tibra hoti hai so he is saying that uh, when sun is uh, near uh, in the summer uh, then it's uh, much hotter so what you have uh, is a difference what uh, oak and patty are claiming that uh, the speed is faster but the translations the other translations are not talking about the speed at all they are saying that it is just hotter so it is hotter versus faster so the very evidence itself is questionable and uh, what is to be done in the I mean, what is done in the scientific research is you have to present all the critical evidence. You you cannot keep the reader, the audience in dark about what is the critical other opinion. You you cannot just back up, give up your your own interpretation without giving the what is the standard interpretation, and that standard interpretation is different. But there is more, and what it is is that the Srivastava tells you, and you can read this translation. that he gives his opinion that this is not right and when he gives his this opinion then this is not right then that has to be contradicted he says that okay fine sushidant is saying that but it is not valid for our time they are wrong they did not have the correct information and that uh, information had to be refuted and of course okan bhati have cited srivastava said they, they know this explanation and this had to be refuted before giving their own uh, explanation so the thing is that uh, the authors of sushidant did not know that uh, it gets hotter in the summer because of that uh, axial tilt in fact if you nasa did a survey and even now in our times many people believe that earth is closer to the sun in the summer and that's why it is hotter and similarly they believe that uh, the earth is farthest from the sun in the winter so this is a what is a common belief in our times when anybody who does science uh, should know that that this is not true so obviously they have to present the proof that the sushidant knew uh, that uh, the season the summer uh, is because of uh, axial tilt and not uh, because of the distance but that information uh, is not there and uh, oak and bati are free to give the proof that the uh, authors of sushidant knew that so basically you see that there are simple explanation for uh, the two pieces of evidence uh, that oak and bati have presented and this one uh, that the most uh, critical one uh, is the agastya as the pole star which they claim because the other two uh, you can see they were also valid in 2900 bc so you cannot claim 12000 bc even if those two were true they cannot claim 12000 bc so the the most uh, uh, the critical point and uh, is their claim that agastya was the pole star in 12000 bc and uh, one of the co-authors party uh, she has uh, uh, used this uh, information and she has got many many theories uh, on agastya based upon this uh, claim that agastya was the pole star and uh, so the basis of their claim but uh, they say is sur siddhant 12.43 to uh, 44 and in the, these two verses i have uh, produced it here and uh, this is uh, their translation and they claim that there are this, these verses are saying that there are two pole stars 
uh, one each near northern uh, celestial point and uh, near south southern celestial point and uh, these uh, are looking at so basically not without going into the details uh, reading it out the claim is that Agastya was a pole star at that time in 12000 bc and uh, here i am uh, giving the translation uh, by burgess and uh, yeah, not different much different it's uh, in both directions from meru are two pole stars so we, we are, the Sushidant is talking about two pole stars and uh, it says that uh, they they are at 90 degrees uh, from the equator here and uh, if you uh, here is uh, the translation hindi translation uh, by srivastava and saying that meru kid don't over and the both sides of meru uh, you have got uh, these uh, pole stars and uh, from the people uh, at the equator they will look at the horizon and uh, the latitude of, of uh, these pole stars is 90 degrees but he, he goes further and if in the explanation of uh, that uh, translation and uh, he t tells you that uh, there was uh, this uh, even though he's talking about the pole stars it's actually not about they don't mean the pole stars but they mean the celestial poles so what are these so we, we need to understand what's the difference between a pole star and celestial poles to understand this uh, properly so basically uh, to say that uh, the even though they mean uh, they're saying Zubtara, uh, which will mean the pole star uh, but actually they mean celestial pole and uh, this uh, is a very important point and that has to be said and then refuted because in science you always have to give the critical information that you know and you have to refute it you you cannot just uh, claim whatever you uh, want to claim without giving the opposite point of view or the information that uh, uh, is uh, needed to be known to the people to make their own fair judgment so this is the claim and say that in 12000 bce vega or abhijit and uh, they claim that vega was brahmarasi uh, for which there is uh, no evidence and we'll come to that in another presentation and uh, they are all saying that the agastya and uh, which is canopus was the south pole star so let's try to understand what uh, is a celestial pole and what is a pole star so in this uh, diagram you see a celestial uh, equator and ecliptic so basically uh, and so you consider this uh, circle that uh, large uh, that zone as uh, the, this is the celestial sphere or if you know in hindi it will be khagol uh, so basically uh, you take the equator earth's equator and uh, you project it on, onto the sky this imaginary uh, sphere of arbitrarily large radius and where uh, it uh, projects into that uh, sphere, uh, that is the celestial equator. So just you name, add the celestial to the uh, uh, equator. And from that, at the 90 degrees uh, on both sides, on the north, you'll have a point P, which will be the pole for this, and the point P prime you see at the bottom. So that point P is the north celestial pole, and the point P prime is the south celestial pole. Now, these are theoretical points. Now, what happens that if the, if you look at the sky during the night, then all the stars will be rotating around this uh, imaginary or theoretical point P, and that's the celestial pole. Uh, but uh, people cannot see it. It's a theoretical point. So if a star comes very close to it, then it seems that all the other stars are rotating around that star. So that star is then called a pole star. So the pole star is a real star, and this uh, celestial a pole is a theoretical point so for any star to be called a pole star it has to be very very close to this point p uh, if it is far away then itself will be seen rotating during the night and it won't be a pole star so we have got these uh, mathematical points and uh, the pole star and uh, so the question is how far this uh, star can be 
uh, to be called a pole star. I mean, th that is a subjective judgment, but uh, uh, you can see that the moon is, uh, the full moon diameter is about half degrees. And so if you go even five degrees, uh, you are like 10 uh, moon diameters. So if you are over five degrees, uh, a star is really too far uh, to be called a pole star. So what was the position of Augusta in 12,000 BC? So now here, what I have done is uh, I have used uh, uh, this uh, software, Stellarium, and it's a free software. Uh, anyone, uh, you can download it and you can play with it. I mean, and in this, uh, you can set the time, uh, you can set the locations. So let's say that I set the uh, location as Ujjain, which was the center of astronomy. And uh, let's say in 12,000 BC, and uh, what we are looking for is you, you select that, uh, whatever body you want to look at, you, it will give you the information about that at that point in time, at that uh, location. So, and here is the Augustia Canopus, and you see that I have selected it. So in that software, if you select it, you display all this information on, on the left side. And I hope you can see it, it's a little bit in fine print, but what you are looking at for uh, is this year. Uh, uh, gives you right ascension and declination, so that's your equivalent of uh, uh, longitude and latitude. So you are, you are looking for this declination. And here you see that it tells you 78 degrees, 13 minutes. So 50 seconds, uh, second. So 78 degrees, 14 minutes. So you can see that. And so this tells you the South Celestial Pole being at 90, minus 90 degrees. It tells you that the Augusta was nearly 12 degrees away from this South Celestial Pole. So if a, if a star is 12 degrees away, it cannot be a pole star. And here what I have done, uh, then I've gone uh, gone through what was the declination of Augustia or, or Canopus, uh, all the way from uh, zero uh, to 12,000 BC that I show you in this table. And then I've, after 10,000, I've given you after every 100 years. So what do you see that uh, around uh, zero, you can say zero here, uh, will be let's say 1 BC or so from that time you go to 52 degrees to uh, around 78 degrees so you, you get a maximum of minus 78 degrees around 12,000 BC and if you go further again from 12,000 to 13,000 I have shown you every 100 years so from 78 degrees and then it just starts coming back uh, towards us again at 63 degrees so yes in 12,000 BC it was at 78 degrees. So it was closer uh, to the South Celestial Pole. Uh, closest it would be within the last, uh, say, 20,000 years, 22,000 years. But that does not mean that it was a pole star. Because at 12 degrees difference, it cannot be a pole star by any stretch of imagination. And that uh, we have shown. And uh, com compared to that, you see that the Oak and Party, uh, they claim there's a they claim further support for uh, this Augusta being a pole star, and they claim that from Sud Sidan thirteen eight nine uh, verses eight and nine, and they say there is a direct evidence of placing Abhijit and Augusta in north of northern and south of southern hemisphere, respectively, as NCP and SCP from the armillary section. Uh, this and they give you these verses. So they are saying that uh, these verses tell you that Augustia was uh, described as being uh, at SCP at the South Celestial Pole. So let's go to the translations. Uh, this is the actual verse. And uh, here is the English translation. And this says that those likewise of the streams situated in the Southern and Northern hemispheres of Abhijit, of the seven sages of Augustia, of Brahma are to be fixed. But there is no mention of them being fixed at the uh, celestial pole. And you look at the Hindi translation uh, by Srivastava. And here also, what do you say? Dono Adhar Vritton ke upar dachin gol mehastit. Aise hi uttar aur dachin golo mehastit na chattro abhijit saptarsi agastya bramdeer adi taro ko ahuratra vritton par asthir karo. He said that just put them in the proper places. They not say that uh, abhi, uh, Abhijit has to be placed uh, at the North uh, Celestial Pole. They not say that Augusta has to be pla uh, placed at the South Celestial Pole. They just have to be placed at their proper places. 
you see that there is no mention of this NCP uh, NSCP, and you can read that verse and you can verify it. So basically, what they are claiming is not there in the verses. And also, we have to uh, keep in mind that there was no way for anybody in India to observe uh, the pole star, the South Pole star, because it is far uh, below the horizon. So the the extreme uh, point in the south, we go from India, that is about uh, eight degrees north at uh, Kanyakumari. But if you are at eight degrees north, your horizon is 90 degrees away at minus 82 degrees. And the celestial pole is at uh, minus 90 degrees. So this pole is uh, eight degrees below horizon. So there, there was never any time or from any location uh, in mainland India from which South Celestial Point could be observed. And if it is eight degrees, and if the pole star is close to it, let's say up to five degrees, then it's always below the horizon. So there was never any time when the South Pole star could be observed from India. And that's why they're, they're not talking about when they're uh, saying Dhruv Tara, they're not, they don't really mean pole star, they only mean these theoretical points, these uh, uh, North uh, Celestial Pole and uh, South Celestial Pole. And uh, we have to keep in mind that the way our ancestors wrote is different. They gave physical attributes to the scientific concepts. And this is a very critical thing when you are trying to understand ancient texts, that even though they give you physical uh, meanings, physical words, they don't really always mean that. They could be saying mountains, they could be seeing, saying rivers, but they, they, are, they may not be talking about the actual mountains and actual rivers. So, and you can see that uh, from, uh, let's say this, uh, th these verses. And this one uh, I'm quoting here is from Sis uh, Bridhi, uh, and this is written by uh, Lalla, the famous uh, astronomer. And uh, in this one, this verse, which I'll give you uh, the translation, which you say that uh, he is using the word Dhruv here. And uh, here, look at this uh, important word, it says Pasyanti, and Pasyanti means to see. But what do, what do we see? What is he talking about? Uh, let's say it's a translation by uh, Subha, Ryapa, and uh, Sarma. At the equator, men always see the north and south celestial poles, coinciding with the north and south points respectively of the horizon. The gods see the north celestial pole on their zeniths, while the dem demons see the south celestial pole on their zeniths. So what do you see? I mean, that at that time, in 720 to 790 CE, Agastya had a declination of 52 degrees. So it was 38 degrees away from SCP. So there was no star uh, near the SCP. But look at it. They are saying seeing. They are saying about seeing the theoretical points. And that's what you have to understand. When they say Dhruptara, they did not mean a real star. They meant these theoretical points. So what I did that since uh, these kind of uh, uh, claims of uh, that are uh, being made, which is too fantastic uh, in my belief, uh, needs to be refuted. So I wrote uh, an article, and you can read it uh, at my blog site. And uh, then I also uh, gave the uh, link on the Twitter, and uh, I had tagged the Astronomical Society of India. So that will be the body uh, that will uh, decide this kind of uh, information. I mean, people can make all kind of claims, but it is for the experts to, to decide. And uh, you can see that uh, the astronomy uh, outreach here, they said nice analysis refuting absurd claims on Indian astronomy. So, I mean, we are in a place uh, at a time where we want to know our true history, but uh, we have to be very careful of because all uh, kind of claims are being made. And if uh, those claims are too fantastic, then they, those have to be refuted. So, but what happens that uh, after I published it, uh, the link on the Twitter I gave, uh, then Ms. Rupa Bhati, uh, she gave this comment. And she thinks that even though uh, Augusta is 12 degrees away, it is still a South Pole star. She says, how can you prove that? Where is it given that how close it has to be? Uh, it can be 12 degrees away and it, is, it can still be Pole star, uh, which is uh, nonsensical. But uh, 
she insists that even at 12 degrees away, Agastya could be pole star. But then look at it uh, with the information that we have, because in the information uh, that they themselves have quoted, and in that, uh, in the Suchidhant is saying that the latitude is 90 degrees. So what do you have? That uh, the Suchidhant is telling you that the latitude uh, or declination is exactly uh, minus 90 degrees. So how can you claim uh, when you are talking about the obliquity that uh, it is to be taken exactly at 24 degrees? You cannot even go 23.9 degrees or 24.1 degrees. So if it is that kind of uh, accuracy when we are talking about Earth's obliquity, then how can you be off by 12 degrees when we are talking about the pole stars? And uh, she goes uh, further. And uh, this is uh, another one uh, of the articles uh, by Ms. Bhatti. Uh, on uh, India facts. And in this one, uh, she has she writes a lot about Agastya. She, she I think, is uh, planning book uh, books on Agastya also. They got many, many videos. You can go on Satology and uh, uh, so, so many theories about Agastya uh, being the pole star. And uh, here is the claim. And uh, it says that the canopus was at its highest declination, very near to the South Celestial uh, Pole, be, being a pole star. The astronomical event happened during 11,000 BC to 13,000 BC. And this is the claim. Below Chidambaram latitudes, canopus was always visible. This was tested via computational simulation. So basically, if you are claiming that uh, a star is a pole star, it has to be always visible at the same place uh, in the sky when you look at it night after night. And C claims, uh, of course, because it is a pole star, uh, this is always visible. Uh, below Chidambaram. So, uh, and she thinks that at Chidambaram it is at horizon. So, let's uh, check it out. So, is the, the pole star Agastya always visible uh, below Chidambaram? Now, to understand that, we have to go into uh, another uh, coordinate system. So, this one is called horizontal coordinate system. The one we talked about before is uh, equatorial coordinate system. And that coordinate system is not specific to any location on Earth. So that will be same for any place on the Earth. It's a global system. But to know how, uh, where a, a star or a planet will look from a given place, you have to uh, go for, you have to look for horizontal coordinate system. So this is specific to the location of where the person is. And in this case, again, you are looking at a section of the, a celestial sphere, but it, the section that you are looking at is going to be different depend upon, depending upon the location. So in, in this one, uh, from the observer's point, the highest point in the sky is just the zenith, and, uh, and below you have the lowest point. And here, uh, your reference point are the directions, uh, north, east, south, and west. And uh, for any star, uh, you will have equivalent of uh, longitude that you will measure from the north uh, going towards the star. And from this star, you have this half circle uh, th that crosses here. And this point, this from S prime to A, that is the altitude. And that tells you how far higher in the sky uh, you will see the point. And what we have is uh, if you have a negative value of altitude, that means the star is below the horizon. So you are, you are not able to see if something is below the horizon. Now, what uh, happens is uh, that when you have a, a, let's say, a star in the sky and through the night it's going to rotate, then it's going to make a circle around this south celestial pole, let's say, for Agastya. So if Agastya is 12 degrees away, then you are basically making a 12 degree uh, radius circle around uh, the south celestial pole. And that will mean that uh, it goes far below the horizon. And that uh, we'll see. And I have uh, done this into in the Stellarium software, gone through the uh, all the, say, let's say, first January 12,000 BC I took. And I went uh, through a 24-hour period. And what happens? The altitude becomes positive at, let's say, 415. And then it becomes negative at 613. So basically, if, if seen from Chidambaram, the Agastya star is above the horizon or visible uh, for just less than two hours. For 22 hours, it's not visible. And you can see here, I have uh, tabulated all the points. You can see that uh, 
from minus 8 degrees, all the minus point that is below horizon is not seen. Only when it becomes positive, uh, then it could be seen, which is around this, let's say, 6 a.m., uh, 0 degrees, 8 minutes. So it's a very brief period of time. And this one here, I give you one of the, uh, the points, uh, let's say, at 18. And so now here, again, you select uh, the canopus and you, all the information is visible on the left in the Stellarium software. And here we are looking for this uh, azimuth and altitude. And you can see that altitude, minus 22 degrees, 53 minutes, almost 23 degrees below. Now, if you go further uh, south uh, from Jidamram, you go to the Madurai and uh, you have, uh, from there, you go further south, then what will happen? It will, the star will be visible for a little longer, but it still is going around in a 12 degree circle and it will go much further uh, below the horizon. So here, what happens? You, you get it becomes visible at 2:59, and it sets at 7:21. And what happens? It's it's above the horizon for less than four and a half hours. So more than 19 hours, uh, the star Agastya is below the horizon from Madurai. And uh, here I uh, show you the, all the data of uh, tabulations. You can see from minus seven degrees, and all the minus sign means it's below horizon. It's not visible. So only for a brief period of few hours here, you can see, and it is just so little. It's like one degree, 15 minutes, one degree, 37 minutes. And usually if it's something is exactly at the horizon, you cannot see it. I mean, it has to be maybe let's say five above five degrees, you can see it. So even though it is at above horizon, it's, it's barely visible. And here I uh, show you one of the Stellarium uh, pictures from the Stellarium. Uh, here again, and here you can see that I have selected Madurai at the location and uh, date is 12,000 BCE. And again, you can look at the altitude and you can see that altitude minus 21 degrees. So 21 degrees below horizon, even uh, from Madurai. And you go to the southernmost uh, point of India, you go to uh, Kanyakumari. And here you'll see it uh, rises at 206, sets at uh, 821, so above horizon, even from the southernmost point of India, is above horizon only for six hours and uh, 15 minutes. And uh, even from Kanyakumari, uh, you see that uh, the maximum altitude, and I've gone through the Stellarium software, is only 3 degrees 41 minutes. It just comes barely above the horizon, even from the southernmost point of India. And uh, still, it's almost uh, it's more than 17 hours uh, is below the horizon. Uh, for uh, at that uh, time and when it is being claimed that it is a pole star. And here uh, is again one of the pictures uh, here you say that it's Kanyakumari and uh, the date 12,000 BCE. And you see uh, here is the maximum altitude, uh, three degree 40 minutes uh, happens at that time. And if you go to uh, within a 24 hour period, if you go to this time and you will see uh, the altitude minus 19 degrees, 51 minutes. So even from Kanyakumari, it goes as low as 20 degrees below horizon when it is being claimed that it was a pole star. Now, what do you expect from a pole star? When you look at the sky and you expect the pole star, when you look, it should be in the same position throughout the year. You look at it any time of the night, it should be in the same position. That's what the whole purpose of this pole star is, to be a uh, to give you a guidance of the uh, direction. So from all these uh, observations, the tables and the figures that I have shown you, it is absolutely clear that Augusta does not fulfill the condition of being pole star. It is proven beyond a shadow of doubt that Augusta was not a pole star in 12,000 BC. So to conclude, uh, basically you've seen that uh, Oak and Party have said that there are three pieces of uh, evidence they claim for Switzerland to be 12,000 BCE, but they all can be explained. Uh, they don't require uh, this 12,000 BCE proposition. I mean, the 24 degrees, uh, you can, either it is rounding of the value that they measured, or it is the inaccuracy of the measurement. And the sun being uh, nearer, that uh, evidence itself uh, has got different interpretation. Uh, and uh, as far as, uh, uh, we, we can say that it is a common misconception. It is because they did not know that uh, uh, the seasons are due to the axial tilt. And the final claim that Augusta was a pole star, and that, that is the uh, claim 
that is uh, the most important point of it. And uh, uh, it is the central point of many of their thesis uh, is that Agastya was a pole star in 12,000 BCE. But it was not. It was 12 degrees away from SCP. And at 12 degrees away, anybody can look at it for a few hours if anybody was looking. And they will know that it is rotating. It is not at the same point. And we have seen that uh, it, uh, and it cannot even be seen from any point in India. So what we have is the observation is related to South Celestial Pole. It's a theoretical point. It's not about the star. And if you want to read more details, uh, you can uh, read it at uh, my blog site. Uh, I would like to thank uh, Sri Rahul Divan completely uh, for giving me this opportunity. Uh, to come uh, to Sangam Talks and uh, give this presentation. Uh, it is very important uh, that uh, when a claim is made that uh, both uh, sides be heard. The, and uh, then uh, the most important point uh, from uh, my point of view is that uh, the people should have access to all the information and uh, so that they can make their own mind. If you, uh, these are my contact details, my email, uh, Twitter, uh, blog and academia. The Northern Pole Star and the Southern Pole Star are visible from your location, depending upon whether you're in the Northern Hemisphere or the Southern Hemisphere. That's why they call the Northern and the Southern. You can correct me wherever I go wrong. So would it be correct to say that uh, now confining ourselves to the nation state of India, that is up to Kanyakumari. In olden days, the Bharat, I wonder if this could be beyond Sri Lanka, Sumatra, Java, and the, the viewing could have been uh, even in the Southern Hemisphere. And uh, one, number two, if all these observations are site and location specific. So from all these Siddhantas and the occurrences written in the scriptures, where are they actually from? Because it makes the whole lot of difference from where you view it, the location. Apparently, I think Ujjain was an astronomical center and all that. I'm not very conversant with that. You must be. And thirdly, thirdly, uh, the Cassiopeia, the for finding directions, the Cassiopeia, the Great Bear, and the Orion and the Cirrus, where the, the Cirrus is the brightest star seen, seen in the northern hemisphere. You can again correct me if I'm wrong. So these were given in the Western text, and I am being brought up in an English-oriented system. I only knew of these. Are they also there? That is the Great Bear, the Cassiopeia, the Orion, and the Cirrus in our Indic text, texts. And what are their names? So these three. Thank you. Uh, uh, thanks uh, for your questions. Uh, so basically, uh, see, the question of the South Celestial Pole and South Pole Star is not really going to uh, change depending upon your location. Because the, from what, regardless of the location, uh, the Pole Star has to be very, very close to the South Celestial Pole. And so if it is at 12 degrees away, from no matter where you are, it will still, if you look at it, if anybody was looking at it over the whole night, it will be going with a 12 degree circle around this South Celestial Pole. And that will be very, very visible. So it won't be called a pole star from anywhere. And of course, you cannot observe both pole stars at the same time, unless you are exactly at equator. And if you can see something visible at the horizon. So, I mean, if you are in the northern hemisphere, uh, hemisphere you will only see the north, uh, north pole star. If you are in the south, you will only see the south pole star. So, you, you, there is no, and uh, the text itself is saying that uh, it is at the horizon being from an observer at equator. So, basically, it does not require you to be the equator. It's, it's a mathematical uh, thinking, like where people figured out uh, what it will look like. So, if you go to the Indian text, let's say, they will tell you, talk uh, about uh, uh, six month winters or six month summer, uh, six month day and six month night uh, uh, at the North Pole. But these are the things that uh, can be figured out using mathematics. One does not need to be uh, at the North Pole itself. Uh, regarding the 
different stars. Uh, I think some of the stars uh, uh, are uh, uh, described in the Indian texts. And uh, I think the Sirius uh, star is, I think, called uh, Mrigbyad. And uh, there are many other stars also that uh, are uh, like described. I think uh, uh, in one of the talks, uh, I will uh, talk about uh, these uh, different stars. I, I was just saying, the our now we restrict ourselves to Kanyakumari. So in olden days, there was no nation state as we see it now. So Bharat could have been extended up to Sumatra, Java in any case. Hinduism was there in uh, the Indonesian archipelago those days. So could these sightings have been done from a place where the plausibility of what you were discounting could have been there because it is done in the Southern Hemisphere. The equator runs below Sri Lanka. So if you go below that into the archipel Indonesian archipelago, you get uh, into the Southern Hemisphere. One, two, the where is the 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 all these sightings are location specific because then only you can fix the exact angularity and the the location. So uh, I I was told Ujjain was the center of astronomy or something. I may be wrong. You can correct me. And Aryabhatta was from the present day Kerala. So where are all these texts originating from? And uh, which was their main locations in India? So basically, if you look at our Indian history, uh, your centers of center of astronomy, the main center uh, was Ujjain, and of course there were other centers. Could be, uh, let's say, uh, Patliputra or could be Kannauj, and they did the major centers. Uh, I have written some articles in which I show uh, that uh, the center of uh, observation uh, for Vedang Jyotis uh, was uh, Takshila University. So I mean. See that you can propose things like uh, India was further deep south, or uh, or the locations could be from deep south. But the most likely uh, 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 place of observation is uh, Ujjain, and which is which is uh, uh, much uh, uh, much northern uh, latitude than the other places. And uh, I mean the astronomers were best in India. I mean if you uh, claim that they could be the observation could be done further south and all that, then uh, these are speculations uh, and uh, you will need really corroborative evidence uh, for that. And what I told you is that they not matter where you observe it from, even from anywhere in south also. The pole star is not specific to the, 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 the declinations are not specific to the location of the person. I mean, the 12 degrees away, that comes from equatorial coordinates, and th those are global coordinates. So no matter where you are located, Augusta will always be 12 de degrees away from the celestial pole. What you will, what will change is where in the sky Augusta will be seen if you change the location. The, uh, the real date of Surya Sikhanda is that precisely known? So basically, uh, the Sursidhant dating is done uh, from the coordinates uh, of the stars uh, given uh, the, in the chapter on the nashatras. And if you go through that, I mean, it tells you that the Revati star uh, is uh, at the origin about, I think, 359 degrees, 50 minutes. And uh, then it depends upon the identification of the Revati star. Uh, and uh, if based upon that uh, identification, uh, you get about 580 CE. But then again, the data itself is not that consistent because it, you get longitudes of other stars also. And I think it gives you the uh, uh, longitude of uh, Chitra. Uh, and that uh, I think is says 180 degrees. But if you go from that point of Revati, then uh, actual will be probably uh, 183 degrees. So we have a, like, let's say three degree discrepancy in the data. And that will take you like three degrees away and uh, so what, about 300 uh, uh, C. So those are yeah. the two uh, points that people consider uh, the dating of Sushidhan between, let's say 300 BC to 580 C. Now these dates are, again are dependent upon uh, these, uh, uh, the data uh, at, at the boundaries of the nashatras. So you have got the different boundaries and uh, if you, I mean, even if you take further, I mean, see the other point that uh, I did not talk in the presentation is that you take these three points 
and then you claim that the source siddhant is 12000 bce even if these uh, three points are there the source siddhant has got so many chapters so many verses and everything is like let's say 70 verses in one chapter more so you have got all many so many verses how can you claim based upon three verses that whole of source siddhant was there i mean source siddhant is is a very complicated uh, uh, text and if, even if these verses like they claim uh, dr anil narayanan who has used this uh, latitude data to claim that it is over 7000 bce but the data on the nakshatras just based upon that data you cannot claim that source siddhant is that old because that kind of information can be available from other sources it does not tell you that the whole source siddhant was there yeah good morning good evening it's wonderful to see my friends dr roy and dr elst and 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 for me you know uh, as a generalist as someone uh, who first wrote uh, uh, the re a review of uh, uh, Raja's uh, Vedic physics, as he said, more than two decades ago, uh, and and having um, as a layperson uh, read his works, um, uh, all that I want to say in this context is that uh, Dr. Roy represents what is the true pursuit of knowledge. That is to be skeptical, to beware certitude, you know, and, and I think in terms of his challenging these kinds of very old dates, uh, I think it would behoove us all if, if really there is an engagement between scholars, because that's the only way that knowledge can be, can be acquired uh knowledge can be enhanced uh that we can progress and 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 i think today's uh talk by dr roy is really evident in terms of the deep knowledge that he has about these matters and the seriousness with which he pursues this not as a a kind of a personal uh, uh you know attempt at at you know, dismantling something, but in the pursuit of knowledge. And I think this is where we all could, you know, prosper uh, by by this kind of public engagement. And so it is wonderful to to uh, hear Dr. Roy's presentation. Good to see my good friend, uh, Dr. Elst here and others. So thank you once again, Sangam Talks, for, for making this happen. Uh, I believe during the religious part of the Indian Hindu marriage system. When you move seven times around the sacrificial altar, uh, I'm asking you whether what I'm going to tell you is true. They say it is said that they ask you to look up to the sky and look at, imagine or look at Agastya and Varundati, or I'm not sure of the star name. Arundhati. Arundhati. Arundhati and uh, pray that you both the husband and wife be like them because now this is where i'm asking whether it's true i believe uh, as per uh, astronomy all celestial objects uh, move around another cel rotate around another celestial object but in the case of arundhati and uh, the this uh, what agastya I'm told that they actually Vashisht. both, both Vashisht, they both rotate around each other. Is it possible? One, is it true? They are, the Vashisht and Arundhati, they are uh, very close to each other. Uh, and uh, they are indeed uh, in, in our marriage customs. Uh, it, uh, the groom uh, and the bride, they are told uh, to see them. and. Uh, uh, so, but whether the Vasist uh, and Arunthadi, they are rotating around each other, uh, I have not looked into it, I'm not too sure. Uh, if you go into the, like uh, from the modern uh, astronomical data, uh, they are not uh, exactly single star. I think each one of them uh, uh, has got uh, different stars, it's like a, a group. Uh, but uh, yes, I'm. I'm not sure that I have uh, read that claim that uh, they go around each other. But uh, I cannot. I have not verified it. 
uh, what I was asking you is, is it theoretically possible that you have two celestial bodies uh, doing what they say it does? That is, they, they go around each other. They rotate around each other. Is it in the universe? Is it a possibility? Is it theoretically possible? It is difficult to visualize both of them rotating around each other. Uh, what could be happening is they go around one uh, like orbit in which uh, they are just going around. But uh, it's difficult for me to imagine that uh, each of them is rotating around the other. 